everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Capstone. I am Ronnie Curry, Associate Editor, Books for Youth, and today I'm talking to Susan Mwadi Daraj and Simon Norali. Susan Mwadi Daraj is the award winning Palestinian American author of more than 10 books, including the new Farrah Rocks series. She is an associate professor of English at Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, and she teaches creative writing at Johns Hopkins University and Fairfield University. Simon Norali is the author of the Sadiq series, which was named one of Chicago Public Library's 2019 Best of the Best Books. She grew up in Kenya, but now lives in Minnesota, where she works in a children's hospital. Simon and her family are Somali, just like Sadiq and his family. Both Farrah Rock's Fifth Grade and the Sadiq series are available now from Capstone. Thank you so much for joining me, Susan and Simon. Susan, if you don't mind, can you kick things off by telling us about Farrah Rocks? Sure. So Farah uh, Hajar is a fifth grader and she has a brother with learning challenges and her parents are in a precarious financial situation. They're immigrants and so the finances are, are not quite strong and she's very aware of that as most kids of working class families are. And she's planning to attend a magnet school for science. But at that same time, there's a new girl at school who starts bullying her little brother. And so Farah tries to protect her brother and her plan involves some lying to adults and hiding things from her parents, all in a well-intentioned effort to shield her little brother from this bully. And it kind of unravels from there. They're a very close-knit family and she's a very brave, funny, and I think adorable character. And Simon, if you could please introduce us to the Sadiq series. So Siddiq is a eight-year-old Somali-American boy. He has four siblings and uh, lives with his mom and dad as well. Just, an, for lack of a better word, an everyday, very normal kid. Um, he's got two best friends, Manny and Zaza. He gets exposed to sort of different things at school. And um, when this happens, he gets this ideas about creating clubs. He's a happy kid who doesn't really encounter a whole lot of hardship. You know, he has just a very normal family, a very normal upbringing. I don't really like using that word normal because I think it is different for a lot of people. But I think what our previously understood meaning of the word normal to be, then that's how I would classify Sadiq and his family. So uh, uh, that's essentially what the series is about. You're both writing characters of ethnicities that are underrepresented in publishing. Farah is Palestinian-American and Sadduk is Somali-American. And so while these books are certainly not about their identities, I'm curious, what about their backgrounds were you conscious of and trying to get across to young readers who may be kind of encountering those cultures for the first time? And we'll start with Simon. Yeah, so I think when I was writing it, just to go back to that theme of, you know, normalcy, it was really, really important to me that his identity be just enmeshed in a very simple way throughout the book. And so it wasn't this thing where when he stepped outside of his home, he would have to sort of shed his Somali skin and, you know, put on his American one and then, you know, walk through the world in that skin and then come home, take that off and put on his Somali one. It was really important to me that his identities were essentially the same and he didn't really see a whole lot of distinction between the two because for him they were both equally important or they meant the same or he had just never thought about it you know he had just always been Somali American and so it was just second nature for him and I think it was something that came out of just a lot of Somali kids who live here and who exist in that world and who sort of have to have this consideration of what it means to be American especially just in recent years what does it mean to be American what does it mean to be Somali are the two mutually exclusive do they go together and I just did not want this eight-year-old kid having that conversation either out loud 
or in his head. And so I hoped that other Somali American kids would read that and see that, oh, hey, it's just a part of who I am and it's my identity and I don't have to reconcile, you know, the two aspects of it. And so that was really important to me. And I know that sometimes immigrant communities and in minority communities, there can be this sense of fascination with background, but not in a positive way. So often we are looking for the trauma of that background to make it to the forefront. And I just was not interested in that. I just wanted this kid to be like any other kid and for any child that picked up a Sudif book to be able to see themselves in him, even if they were not Somali, even if they were not American. And so I just tried as much as possible to enmesh the two identities together to the point where you couldn't tell them apart. They were just essentially the same kid. And Susan, so same question. What about Farah's background did you want to get across to young readers, if anything? Well, let me just say, I really feel what Simon is saying about not wanting a character who is American at school and Somali at home, like shedding his skin. And I, I think I feel that because that's how I grew up, actually. You know, I would shift my identity depending on where I was. If I was with my friends at school, I was American. If When I came home, I was Palestinian. I entered a different world. And I think writing the Farrah Rock series for me was a sort of like I was writing the kind of world that I wish I had grown up in. So Farrah is a character who moves very seamlessly between these two worlds. But I realized that in order to create that, I had to make her world at school a very diverse one. I went to a school that was very ethnically homogenous. And so I had to make sure that Farah's friends at school were, were very diverse from many different backgrounds. Her best friend is Chinese American. She has a lot of friends who are African American, who are Latinas. So it was important for me to create that because this way, Farah expressing her ethnic identity was just something normal to do. All of her friends brought their ethnic food to school for lunch and, and that sort of thing. So I wanted the same sort of situation to exist in my book. Like I wanted Arab American kids to look at Farah and say, yeah, I can, I can live between both worlds and not feel separated, not feel divided. Because Farah is very happy being a Palestinian American. She speaks Arabic at home. Sometimes, you know, she'll bring her Middle Eastern food to school and it's not a big deal. She doesn't have the kind of angst and kind of identity crisis that I kind of endured when I was a kid. So she is for me the ideal kind of like the projection of, of what I wish I had had at that age. And so Susan, speaking more generally, can you talk about what inspires your writing in a bigger way? Reading books, you know, the growing own voices movement and reading books by other writers of many different ethnic backgrounds, by LGBTQ writers. I feel like there's a movement now in kids' literature that I don't see mirrored in literature for adults, to be quite honest. There's something in kids' literature that is very groundbreaking. It's pushing boundaries. We're seeing more and more characters in middle grade and YA novels who are LGBTQ, who are from immigrant communities, who are from uh, communities that are have been marginalized historically in this country. And that's a very exciting time, you know, to be reading Kid Lit and to be writing it. I don't think my book would have been possible 15 years ago. And even though we know that there is still a lack of diverse characters in children's literature, that is changing as well. That is steadily, slowly, but steadily getting better. So I'm inspired by the other books that I read. And so, Simon, you as well, speaking more broadly, what, what, is, what are some of the inspirations behind um, where your writing comes from? 
my inspiration, you know, was my kids. Uh, you know, the characters in the books are based on my kids. I have five kids. I think I also sort of felt this sense of responsibility and anxiety. I continue to have that in the way that I wrote Sadiq because as much as this is how I wanted to write him, I wondered if the other side of that coin was if there were people in my community who wanted him written a different way, who wanted to have his Somaliness centered a whole lot more than his Americanness. If I made the book not about American activities, but about Somali activities or things that matter to us. And so that was always sort of in the back of my mind. And it's something that I struggle with and I continue to struggle with. But again, like I said, I think it was just really important to me for Somali American kids, especially those who've been born here and not, you know, born in Somalia and then came up and grew here. Those who were born here, whose entire reality was made up of the American life. It was important for me that they understood that this was not something that they had to either fight or debate or try to figure out that it was just a straightforward thing. On that note, Simon, have you had a chance to connect with your, your readers or educators directly just, and kind of get a sense for how it's it's being received or any kind of special I, special moments that have arisen? Yeah, no, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've done school readings, I've done library readings, and I've had just an entire spectrum of different people, kids who are so excited about seeing kids that look like them, that are drawn like them, you know, girls who wear hijab during a running competition, and it's just second nature, and it's not something that had to be pointed out in the book. You know, it was was a runner who was wearing a tracksuit and they just had a hijab on and just little girls who were really excited about that they would always their eyes would light up when they would find the Somali word so they would see Hoyo and Duxi and all of that and just light up and get so excited we had kids who would say oh my god this looks like my mom I'm gonna go show her and then run off and go talk to their mom and show them the pictures we got really good fantastic support and feedback from parents who up until that point were like, we've never seen kids. Uh, we've never seen books that had Somali kids in them and who were grateful. We got support from libraries and schools who were like, we take care of a diverse population and we did not have the books to help those kids feel welcome and feel accepted and f feel like they are part of the you know literary narrative that exists for all other kids, right? And so that was just really humbling and it was just really refreshing and nourishing to hear that feedback and that continues to happen and I'm just absolutely so grateful for that. And Susan, have you as well had a chance to kind of hit the road and, and talk to readers? I have. I've done uh, several school visits and even now during this coronavirus sort of lockdown that we're in, I actually part I'm participating in a program called Write to an Author. It's a hashtag launched by Laura Chauvin. What we're doing is we're promising kids that if they write to us while they're home from school during their school closures, that we promise to write back. And I've already received several letters from kids just expressing how excited they are to meet an Arabic-speaking character and her family and how much they love getting to know Farah's culture. And, you know, the back of my book has an Arabic glossary in it and a hummus recipe, actually. Mm -hmm. So some kids are actually <laughs> baking hummus with their parents while they're home from school. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed meeting children and, and, and going to their schools and visiting their libraries. And even now during this kind of quiet time, I'm still finding ways to connect with them. And it's been very, very refreshing and, and beautiful and very affirming as well. Yeah, I suppose it's not a bad time to point out that both of your books have sort of activities in the back for this. If you happen to be stuck indoors, um, mm -hmm. not, not a bad thing. So since a big portion of our audience is librarians, Susan, can you talk a bit about your relationship with libraries and how they've influenced you and in, in your writing? 
oh, well, they've only saved my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I spent, you know, I was the, I was the eldest child of an immigrant in an immigrant family. And so visiting the library was sort of my escape. It was my way of connecting with everyone else and just understanding American culture and American life in many ways. So I spent hours and hours in my public library, in my school library. At one point, as a seventh grader, I read my way through the entire Agatha Christie section. I love Agatha Christie novels. And even now, I actually, when it's my writing time, I will often leave my house and go to my local public library here and set up camp at a table and write in the library. There's just something about being surrounded by books and by people who love books that inspires me. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm nodding in, in solidarity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sinan, I'll ask the same question to you. Um, how have libraries been a part of, of your life and, and your writing life? I, I mean, I share sort of the same sentiments as Susan. I spent a ridiculous amount of time in libraries when I was growing up. And it was just always a place, the way that I think about it is it was a place of refuge. And I think the association we get from a word like that is to think that you were running away from something horrible, but it wasn't. I was running to it. So I wasn't running away from something. I was running to it. And it was where I picked up my love of basically everything I hold dear. And I always make this joke with my friends that, you know, if I was ever a ghost, just I would like to haunt a library because I mean what better place to spend all of eternity right so they've just shaped everything that I know about learning and about education and about reading and the love of reading and the ability to disappear into different worlds just through the pages of a book you know it's such a simple concept right words on a page in a book and you get transported to all of these different places and get to have all of these different adventures and I think that is entirely magical when you're a kid and then you think I'm just going to grow out of it and you really don't. And so I'm just grateful to them. I wish there were more. I wish more people understood the value that they bring to society. And so I think that's my take on it. Thank you both so much for chatting with me. And thank you everyone for listening to the Shelf Care interview. Thank you, Ronnie. You're very Thanks welcome. Thanks so much. This Shelf Care interview was sponsored by Capstone, the publisher of Susan's Farrah Rock's Fifth Grade, as well as Simmons' Siddiqu series, both available right now with more titles to come in fall 2020. Until next time, happy reading. Mm